0: I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today on episode 96, I'm going to talk to Gary and Chris Simmons in Fresno, California. Gary and Chris have served as bivocational leaders of the Central Valley Church of Christ since 2000. In this episode, they share how they've been able to serve as tent makers for nearly 14 years, how they bought a massive church campus for one dollar. They share the power of staying in one place for a long time and their plans to start a new church planting next year. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Today on my podcast, I've got Gary and Chris Simmons from Fresno, California. Gary and Chris lead the Fresno Church of Christ, and they've done so for about the past 20, 21 years, since 2000. What's unique about Gary and Chris is that they are bivocational ministers and have been for around 14 years. Uh, Gary is a teacher, and Chris has a number of different pursuits that she's going to be sharing about. They've got an amazing story about how they got a church for free, and I look forward to having them share about that. I've known Gary and Chris for a long time. um, When I was in Ashland, Oregon, in the early 2000s, they were great uh, friends and supports to us and actually helped us to make s- some connections with some leaders that really helped us in the t- Tucson Church of Christ planting. So I'm indebted to both of them. They've got a great story, and I look forward to having you hear their story. Gary and Chris, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks, Hi. Rob. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: Would you guys mind to share, how did you guys become Christians? Okay.
1: Um, My mom, um, Jan Banks, became a Christian in the Providence, Rhode Island Church in, I don't know, 86 or so, while I was in high school. And not long after her, my little brother, who was about 15 at the time, Doug Banks, became a disciple also. Um, So um, I thought, good for them, my dad and I, you know, they found their thing. and i went away to college i would go to church with them and i loved it but um when i went away to college i went to boulder colorado went to cu and partied my first year and then um, when i was home i thought i need to study the bible to get the monkey off my back (laughs) to prove that this isn't for everyone and so i did i studied the bible all the way through with some awesome patient sisters in the providence church Thanked them, went back to college, <laughs> didn't do anything with it. But, you know, those seeds are planted in your heart. And mm-hmm. so I got back to see you, and probably by early September, I had called the church again, just to get the monkey off my back there. I called the church um, and lo and behold, disciples lived in my dorm. Um, Jody Priestley May, who's uh, she and her husband lead the church in Fort Collins um, now. But she lived in my dorm and another sister, they came. Uh, uh, Kurt and Patty Simmons were leading the campus ministry at the time. Dan Rice was their intern. Um, He was dating Heidi. And so I just lucked into a golden moment of the kingdom. Brian Craig was in that campus ministry. Dessa um, had just become a disciple. Um, Marshall (laughs) Mead, all these, you know. So I I got a chance to study the Bible again, and this time it dawned on me that I was toying with this opportunity that God kept offering me, and you know, was I going to wait for something where I where I was shocked or where I was alarmed into needing God rather mm-hmm. than just seeing Him for who He is and and going towards it. So I did get baptized in October of 1989 in the in the Boulder Church, um, and yeah, that's, that's how I got started.
2: Boulder church. Yeah. I, uh, I was traveling around a young single guy and then, uh, I think I believed in God, but I was really down on religion and I I didn't really, then I I actually started, uh, reading the Bible and I, I was very impressed by it. Tried some churches, but, uh, was not impressed by them. And then, um, i really kind of came to the conclusion i said i don't think anybody's doing this i'm just going to try to do the best i can on my own and i was going to grad school and uh i saw these people in the student union they looked like they were doing aerobics but they were all wearing like street clothes and (laughs) somebody made fun of the look at those stupid christians And i'm like oh so i went up there and uh hung out for a while left early so none of them knew who i was went back again later and at the end, Doug Wens came up and said, you want to study the Bible? And I was like, all right, when? He goes, now. <laughs> I'm like, you know, Doug, right? And, uh, but then I still wasn't sure. I went through all the studies and Doug's like, you're ready to get baptized. Yeah. Okay. Hang on.
1: They thought <laughs> the first time he came to church like that, just showed up and left. Gary was always smiling. He rocked a mullet at the time. And so they... And he came and he, like, participated. He, like, just started clapping and singing with everybody else, was all cheerful and giving, and then was vanished. And so there was talk on campus that he had been an angel that he visited that first time. So, yeah. Incorrect.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But then I still wasn't too sure. I mean, it had a little bit of a cult look to it. And then
0: uh,
2: I... I, Doug said, you know what, today before church, just pray about it. So I went out and prayed about it and I asked for a sign if God wanted me to get baptized that day. And, uh, when I walked in, they handed me a flyer and all it said was today. That was the title of the lesson. And every every point was today. (laughs) Well, how'd you guys meet? Actually, uh, my gosh, this is a long story, but, uh, I used to go to my diner to study and it was full so I went to another one and all the campus ministry was studying there and I was I was just studying the Bible and and uh, Chris and a friend came up and was like, hey, I saw your church come study with us and and uh, was kind of love at first sight for me but she was dating somebody and uh, but God worked it out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I remember seeing him get baptized and um, you know, seeing them around church and, uh, but we didn't actually start dating. We had got, we got to go on a, uh, mission team planting to Lincoln, Nebraska. And I was still dating at the time that that was planted, but, um, my boyfriend at the time and I broke up while, uh, while we were there. And a while after that, Gary and I went on our first date. Um, I was actually, it was a, uh, Sadie Hawkins dance that we were having So the girls asked the guys and all the girls liked Gary. And I was following up to see if this sister that I had challenged to be more bold had asked him. So I asked Gary, has anyone asked you to the dance yet to see if she had, and he goes, no. And he smiled at me really big. And I was like, (laughs) Now it sounds like I'm asking him, and I was like, "Well, doggone it! came on her for waiting." And so I asked him.
2: And, and I've been eight. praying every day that the one who asked me would be the one. And then I just started praying that Chris would ask me. Oh just my gosh!
0: You guys are strong on signs. That's that's good.
2: How mar- that? We are married the <laughs> next week.
0: No. <laughs> okay, so what year were you guys were you guys baptized? So you're baptized '89, 89. and 89. and Gary. 90 90 okay right around the same time at the boulder campus ministry you I see you boulder how'd denver. you guys how'd you
2: denver, guys get to uh, yeah what's metro that denver.
0: metro denver okay denver, nearby like West how West. did you guys get to fresno california
2: well, we needed a map we'll put it that way <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't on my thomas guide so i didn't know where it was we already agreed to go jesus uh,
1: uh. <laughs> so we we uh we we wanted to go in the ministry but we were we were never your typical ministry type i think always kind of good right-hand couple good shepherds i
2: wasn't good looking enough
1: (laughs) (laughs) we got married in 1993 Um, right after we got married um, we were really close with greg and kathy maretzky and jay and carol kelly and they left den they left denver around that time right after we got married to um go to la and so we, we came with them. We, um, we came out to LA with them just to help out, just to, I guess they, at the time, I think they needed a lot of Bible talk leaders. So we were in LA for a number of years. Um, we uh, we uh, wanted to go in the ministry, express that all the time, always never were quite the right fit, too old or too young or too white or too, just not the right demographic of what the need was at the moment um and so um you know we we had other jobs we shepherded we got a lot of great training and then one time we were told that there was an opportunity we we were part of a swap basically with um a couple from the bay area church and so we moved up to the bay area and this other couple moved down to the la area and While we were in the Bay Area, we got lots of training to go in the ministry, but we also got more discipling on our marriage and on our character than we had in a while. And it was really tough time. Um, The upside was my family was in the Bay Area. We got to be with with them. We learned a lot. And then we got hired um, in 1998 to go in the ministry, late 1998. We served in the Bay Area for a little while. We got to go to Alaska we got to come back from alaska <laughs> and in alaska we got to taste that we like leading a little church on our own yeah. it was really fun but it we knew that was going to be a temporary um, opportunity so we loved the anchorage church came back to fremont love fremont but then we were asked um, if we would be willing to take over leading the fresno church the couple that was here at the time was a newlywed couple and i think they just wanted to come in and get more training and more help with their marriage and things like that so we looked up on a Thomas guide <laughs> where Fresno was compared to the Bay area and it wasn't in that Bay area Thomas guide. Um, so we had to learn where Fresno was. We had already said yes, not really knowing, um, because we knew we wanted to try leading our own church again after, after feeling that time in Alaska. So,
2: yeah, I mean, the short story is, I think God just the broken road that took <laughs> us home, you know, it was, a uh, A lot of hard kind of steps and but uh, it was all the training we needed to uh, bring us right to where we are.
0: Right now for those who are listening who are not in country or familiar with Fresno can you explain roughly where Fresno is and what it's known for?
2: Yeah and California is obviously a large state that runs uh, along the western um, coast and there's it's mostly known for its beach cities, like, you know, San Francisco, LA, uh, San Diego, but there's a mountain range that runs along that coast. And then there's the Rockies. And in the middle of that is a a valley that runs the whole length of the state called the Central Valley. And it's, it's kind of overshadowed by the flashy cities, but it's the most, uh, fertile valley in the world. It's the most, uh, productive of uh, agricultural zone. So there's just a ton of, uh, uh, you know, Yosemite and great, you know, you can drive mm-hmm. everywhere. You can go to San Francisco for the day, LA for the day. Housing's affordable. It gets a little warm in the summer, but you got four seasons, <laughs> you know, and it's a, such, such a, I feel like it's a jewel, a hidden jewel. It is. Uh, yeah. It doesn't get respect because it's not, you know, Hollywood.
0: I mean, if it were just ranked in terms of agriculture, it's got to be number one in the world. I mean, it's incredibly fertile. That whole San Joaquin Valley is amazing. It's, just... I
2: mean, it's amazing. You see these guys and they're beat up Ford 150s and they're some of them are, you know, massive multimillionaires. Right. <laughs> yeah, <know>? Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. And okay. it's literally right between. It's equidistant to, for us to go to L.A. about three and a half, four hours without traffic. And to uh, San Francisco would be about three hours. Sacramento's about two and a half hours. Yosemite's about two hours. So right. we're like right in between, but a bit inland. So right. if you're driving from right. straight from LA to Bay Area, you'd probably take the 101 and you'd bypass us all together. But we're right. Yeah. Like Gary said, we're that gateway to Yosemite. Right. Um, so we love it. Yeah. yeah that's great.
0: Now you've You both work bivocationally. You guys are tent makers over the course of your church's life. Can you explain why and can you explain how how that happened?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's another one of these things where God just uh, put us where we needed to be the hard way. Um, I wanted to be full-time ministry. I I was like this is what I love. It's the only thing I really care about doing, right? Shouldn't I want to do this for a living? and we were leading the church and then uh it was you know rough times around you know the 2003 there was some church division and we hired this uh couple to kind of help us but it turned out to be the opposite and uh and it was it was maybe going to be a church split like us or them and uh i didn't want that so you know i decided to back off and, uh, and that meant, you know, we needed to get jobs, uh, finally the board fired this other couple and we didn't have any ministry staff at all. And some people were kind of thinking, Oh, did we get them fired? You know? And so I was just like, you know, I'm just gonna, all I want to do is be a brother in the church. I don't need to lead the thing. And, uh, you know, we started making, so I, I became a teacher. I'm a high school teacher for, uh, at-risk kids, independent study, and it felt like the ministry, <laughs> you know, I work with kids one-on-one, they pay very well, they give, uh, you know, retirement, which the ministry didn't give, they gave benefits, and and uh, I, I didn't work very many hours, and I'm like, you know, I could leave the church and do this job, and so uh, that's what we did, and and. It, there was always this pressure of a small church maintaining a full-time ministry couple right it's expensive with it all of the taxes and insurance yeah. and mm-hmm. and retirement and you know it's it, it, and it, so i'm like you know i don't have to ha- and you wonder about what the big givers are thinking i was like you know what i don't care i don't care i'm just gonna lead the church because uh i don't need the church to make a living And I think that that gave us a lot of freedom to just do what we thought we needed to do. Right.
0: How's the church grown with that leadership model, a a bivocational style? I mean, typically it'll start that way. I know we did that in Ashland for eight years, but boy, I'll tell you, it was tough. I mean, toward the end, I was like, I've, I'm coming to a crossroads here. It's working full time and leading a church. It taxes you. So, how, how's like, can you tell, tell us a little bit about the growth of the church where you started out, you know, just over the course of the past 21 years?
1: Um, I think our location is pretty key to this working so well, I could see how in Ashland, this would be, that would be uh, different, because when we got weary, because we have, we have LA or Bay Area three hours away. So, for example, our kids always got to go to camp whenever they would have camps. Like you know, I know if there was a mid 2000s there was a break in in activity, and then there was there was starting to be seminars and camps and things like that again. And so we could batch on. We could um, we got could get a lot of help that way. Um, but I think one of the things uh, there was even a, a two year period where Gary and I didn't lead this church, and after that, other couple had. Um, stop leading it as well where just a an interim lay couple stepped up and and led and they they had everybody have a turn to preach everybody (laughs) like it it empowered it activated more members to step up and help um, the church stay together and around that time is when we got we bought our first building so our, our building on hazelwood which we never thought we would find a building that we could even buy and this building came available and it was about the price of a house around the time we were feeling like are we even going to be able to be a church you know and there's so many churches in fresno fresno is like a midwest of california bible belt area so we um we felt God's assurance by getting this awesome building at a really cheap price while we weren't even in town. I mean, it just kind of fell into our laps, no trouble to it. The church rallied around you know, volunteering and stepping up and that, that helped us grow. But I think at times too, when we've gotten, um, when we have felt weak or tired, campus ministries have come through on their spring break and evangelized our campus or, you know, um, we've gotten to hire periodically because we have more money to spend on other staff besides ourselves. We've gotten to have interns, things like that um, have really helped out. And I actually didn't have another job for a while. I just didn't get paid by the church. Um, and I liked the fact that, um, you know, I had a, I have a, uh, two kids and my daughter for a while I homeschooled her, she's on the autism spectrum. And so that was my job. But, um, you know, ministry, I, I felt I learned just was a lot more about being able to be there. And I loved that it wasn't about I, I felt a freedom not getting paid um, to be able to just do what I could do and wanted to do. And right. Yeah. Say no. when I couldn't. And um, so it, it felt very much like a came from the heart. Right. I really, I really love being able. to. It do
0: does it. give a lot of freedom and. You you do what you can, and then you don't worry about it. You know when you can't give anymore, and so that's that's fantastic. If you could go back, if you could just go back in time to the year two thousand, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently?
2: She's uh, I can't think of anything. I, I think even our mistakes, God used to help help us to grow personally and there were some really hard times but i don't think any of them were wasted um i think uh you know there were there were some times i think i probably could have stood up more um for some decisions that i i i if i were looking back i think i probably would have lot harder to maybe not make certain decisions about, uh, certain things. But besides that, uh, you know, it's been a a great journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you built a great church. Now, speaking of church, you were recently gifted another church. Can you explain how that happened? What, what you already had one church, so, but you got another one. So can you talk, talk about that?
1: Um, so we, we, this awesome building in Hazelwood, uh, we have pretty much outgrown. Um, and we do a couple things annually that uh, draw a lot of visitors. So we do a chili cook off in the fall. We do a soul jam in February and on our Black History Month. And both of those things involve a lot of food and bringing out a ton of people. And so we're busting at the seams at those times. And then even on a regular Sunday, we were pretty much filling up the place we bought this run down house behind the church and <laughs> to, we're hoping to maybe fix that up into some children's ministry rooms and things like that. But um, meanwhile, you know, uh, Fresno is growing to the north of downtown and this building that we have is downtown. And um, so the, there's deaf and all the mega churches, all these big, beautiful churches are, are growing up north. And so we, you know, right in our neighborhood, we used to always pray and walk around. And um, we, I remember just thinking like, gosh, God knows those who are his, and he, you know, all these mega churches, like, what is it? How do they have the money to do this? How do they have the commitment from the people to do this? And yet we're, we're teaching the Bible accurately, I really believe we are. And what's why why can't we it just didn't make sense to me and so i would have talks with god about it and um uh and so i just you know remember looking at places and thinking god if they're not your church maybe they are you know maybe we need to stay open-minded to seeing what you're going to do in the future about bringing us together but if they're not couldn't you take all their resources and give them to us and i remember having these prayers like that And thinking, yeah, he can do anything. He can turn things around instantly. But this was over years, and and just so you know, like I've had a lot of these prayers answered, but they take time. So my dad becoming a Christian took time, but he's an awesome disciple. Um, We couldn't have kids for nine years, and then have these two awesome kids. So, Mm -hmm. you know, these this prayer was being prayed over a matter of years, but. I just remember thinking like, let's pray for a free building. And then Sacramento <laughs> church got their building gifted to them mm-hmm. by a traditional church of Christ. And some of the older members just came with it. They just started joining. And so we're good friends with them, Keith and Sharon, who were leading the church at the time that was happening and just felt so excited for them. And it just clicked with me like, yeah, <laughs> that, let's see that happen again. That can happen again. Um, so uh, I've been fostering animals. We've been fostering puppies, um, here at our house for over 10 years. Cause when I was homeschooling, my daughter, we decided that would be science. (laughs) We would just deal with biology. Um, so, uh, through there, I've met a lot of great people, but the woman who always was like the person kind of, uh, my, my, um, what's it called your my my dealer of animals basically (laughs) her name is Kathy Um, and she she drove through my neighborhood one day I saw her I was like Kathy what are you doing here she turns out she lived right near me and this um, is when we lived right near Fresno State at the time so uh, Fresno State's right in the middle of of Fresno great great area Um, so we started a friendship we had dinner together and it turns out her husband attended a church in our neighborhood a big beautiful complex that gary used to pray around and uh one day he heard his uh minister preaching that he was planning to gift the church to a young vibrant new congreg- newer congregation because it had been gifted to them back in the 70s and um dave thought of us and told his pastor about us and bruce mumper and gary got into contact with each other and started a friendship where they agreed that bottom line, there's, there's more uh, similarities to look at than differences. And let's just start building a relationship that way. And um, so we've since moved to the north part of town and things like that. But this has all been coming together over the past two years. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, right last year in February, a friend of ours who used to come out to chili cook offs all the time, who happens to be Jewish and happens to be a what kind of lawyer?
2: He's a real estate lawyer who focuses on nonprofit.
1: He wrote up the contract <laughs> for us <laughs> for, free. for free. Perfect. And uh, we signed the papers, and the very next week, COVID hit. So we, now we had two buildings could meet in neither <laughs> for the past whole year, um, but we have built some amazing friendships with some of the Calvary Chapel people. And we have hopes of having some of them come with us um, now that we're more and more taking over the building. And by this coming March, we'll be the sole owners after we pay a dollar. So it's not free, it's a dollar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, now, Gary, when you when I heard this story uh, a week or two ago, you had a different take on this. You, you were a little more skeptical than than Chris was. Can you share with me a little bit about your thinking during that time?
2: Well, we, I, you know, this uh, Fresno is an unusual uh, town. It's it's kind of a city in the middle of a, an agricultural area, and the center of the town is a kind of where the the divide of wealthy and poor, educated, uneducated, the racial divides, and the campus is right there. And I was like, if we're going to reach out to the city we need to be in the middle because people some people don't want to come here and you know and we you know we're we want to be near campus and so i was kind of fighting with the board trying to motivate we got to buy a building in the center of town but you know it's just millions and millions of dollars and uh it just the board we tried all this creative financing and we just decided that we couldn't do it and Chris just kept saying well why don't we just pray someone gives us one and I'm like well that's just not how it works <laughs> but as board we decided that's pretty much all we got to do so uh, we went with that I, I would say though that you know it I, I mean if I were to give any pointers on this it's uh uh, building a relationship with two congregations can uh, uh, is not always very simple. There were people in their church that didn't trust our church. There were people in our church that didn't trust their church. There were people in both our church that was like, well, wait a minute, are we becoming a different religion? Why are we meeting with them? And uh, And it was just a lot of talking to people and saying, um, you know, we're just going to love people, we're not, uh, we're going to love them for who they are. And we're going to build a relationship with them. We're, you know, we still need to, we still believe what we believe. But we're not going to not have relationships with people, just because they don't believe what we believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, more and more as people we had our big thing was me and this other minister bruce decided to have an ice cream social because that seemed like the least antagonistic <laughs> event possible and so we had this big ice cream social and every ball the kids everybody's hanging out and talking to each other And then they're like oh well they're not so bad right. you know that right. kind of thing and yep. that broke and, and me and bruce we met every monday for coffee at 9 a.m just to talk so he wanted to feel great about us and His decision, he was having people that wanted to buy the place. But more and more, he's just like, you know what, I I like you guys. Mm -hmm. So he gave it to us.
0: That's amazing. Chris, your faith in believing that you could get a place for $1 or for free is so impressive. But for you, Gary, to get in there and really build the relationship is also equally impressive. And, you know, I, I know there are people listening that, they're not happy with their current. We're in a place that many people in our church were dissatisfied with, and we're in the process of looking around, and, and we, we've landed on a place that we're renting. Uh, but it seems like a real large, large order to you know pray for a, a free church. Any advice that you give to people that are you know where you go? Whoa, that's that's big. That's a big prayer.
1: I, I'd like to say I. When you really think about it, though, like when you read God's promises in the Bible, if you were to read it through the filter of about this situation, about this building, he's telling you he will, you know, he's, it, it, you know, and we can't be, I, I don't ever feel like I've been super arrogant, hopefully, about our church leadership. I don't know. Sometimes I've asked, are we even doing this right? Are we, do you want someone else to take over? Do you want us to join one of these bigger churches. So in a very open way, but if, if these promises are true, and if we're your, you know, people, uh, could you, you know, please do this for us because he does promise it. He promises to equip those who are doing his work. And if, if you think of it that way, it's actually, why aren't we all praying for more, you know, more resources, more buildings, because they're out there. And they're being misused and it breaks my heart. You know, we all study the Bible with people who have gone to these beautiful churches. Oh, I struggle, struggle. I know it. Oh, but, you know, they go to these places, but they're not being fed the truth. They're being misled or it's uh, Satan's laughing. Hmm. And I think we can we can be bold, you know, think of ourselves as God's favorite. That's right. Because We are, you know
2: um yeah i mean I, I, those things are all true i i think it's uh important to know too that there are some good people out there that go lead other churches mm-hmm. you know and and just don't have their doctrine straight but they're good people who love god mm-hmm. uh, i, I had some conversations and i'm just like man if this guy's got a great heart and then he would say something i'm like how can you believe that you know mm-hmm. so but he really wanted to do what was right before God. He, mm. he was like, I, he was, I've got to do what's right before God. And I can't, I want to make sure there's good people in here, you know? And, it, and it's encouraging to me. And uh, I think that, you know, I think that God's going to look upon that favorably for him.
0: Right. Well, I was so inspired by, by your story. I mean, I was convicted, I was called higher. I was like, man, I have got to repent of small faith. And I really appreciate your example there. Now, shifting subjects, you've been in Fresno 21 years now. What are the benefits of remaining in one location for a long time? You know, back in the day when I was a young younger minister, I mean, we were bouncing around and planting churches right and left. And I Don't remember, throw
2: out your boxes.
0: Exactly. I remember being in in Tokyo for two years and going, why haven't we moved yet? How come we're still here? <laughs> you know? So... Uh, can you, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, we, we, there was a, about a two year mark where we were like, come get us, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> call us back. Like we've been here. Uh, but I'll say um, one of the best benefits is that when you move, when you do move, you know, you get that whole fresh, everything's new. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. still there okay so yeah when when you do move uh you have that chance to have uh, to start over to turn over a new leaf or you're in a new ministry new place and and it's uh it's exciting one of the things that um i remember praying once we were here for a while and um this was around that time like 2007 2008 somewhere in there and i just remember feeling so stuck and so t- tired. And just like we, all of our tricks, there was nothing new up our sleeve. You know what right, I mean? Like, right. And you still have us, and we don't know anything new. <laughs> and so I just remember thinking, like that, that scripture, be still and know that I am God. There is something, I really prayed that we could just stay right here and watch God change the situation. Mm. That would be miraculous. That right. would be awesome to see. And sure enough, that's when we got to, um, we became friends with Steve and Charlie Stevenson through a mutual friend of ours. And Steve and Charlie started sending their campus, their intern training program out here um, to you know, help evangelize and, um, and to encourage us. And then they started discipling us and um, they, they came and did a corporate repentance um, weekend. I think the church had read the book and then they came and did this weekend with us and it was epic. We sat in People the church talk about for four it. hours. People lined up to confess sin crying. We, we went through all the tissues in the building, Steve Stevenson, and I split the last tissue in half. Yeah.
2: I was drying mine out on the pews. <laughs> was,
1: and then after that, it was, it was a whole new church and to be able to stand still, to stay in one place and watch God change the situation around you, I wouldn't trade that for a million years. Mm-hmm. That, I mean that—that's mm-hmm. just uh, more powerful in a lot of ways mm-hmm. to me.
2: Yeah, I, we did move around a lot, and um, I think one of the things when we realized we were going to be here to answer your question about what a, a po- uh, what's a positive is—you know, you're gonna you're gonna be here, so you better build well. And I think when we were going to be moving, it was sort of like, let's grow and then we'll move. You know, mm-hmm. let's grow and then we'll move. We'll start over. Uh, there, there wasn't always the best foundations built. When we had our hardest times, we decided to focus on our children's ministry because those were the only visitors we had coming. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, our, and it was, wasn't going well, right? Our teens were not, ha- were not happy and and to see these kids grow up and love the church. Now, we we just sold the building, we had a going away party for it on Wednesday. And uh, the, the kids that were the people that were the most affected by the building sale were the, the campus and teens because that's all they'd ever known mm. how much they loved the church. And, and it just I think that was the, the best. uh one of the most powerful moments I've had here because I'm like, that's what we were trying to do. Yeah. And uh, I do want to also lift up like uh, Orange County, Long Beach, Steve and Charlie, Kevin and Mary Maines, Richard Joe and Sarah Eads, Richard and Shannon Buckner, you know, that, Sean and Marshall, Sean and Marshall all came yeah. up. Cause I, you know, Steve, I went to meet Steve and I just broke down crying. So I'm like, you know, things are just such a mess here. And they, I just, the first time I met them, And they're like, well, we're going to help you. Hmm. And we've been discipled because we were discipled by another church before that had stopped discipling us. So we weren't discipled by another church for years. And they said, we'll help you. And they've been helping us now for 13 years wanting nothing. Hmm. They sent uh, Richard and Shannon up and paid for most of their salary for a couple of years. They sent teams up, they'd come up to guest speak and they wouldn't let us pay for their expenses. It was, It's just been um, heartwarming. Very, very grateful.
0: You know, there are a lot of people that are are listening, that are leading a church. They've been there a while. Like you said, their bag of tricks is empty. They've, They've preached every lesson that they know. Every personal anecdote has been exhausted. All their stories have been shared. What advice would you give to those who are in that situation? And they're looking out at the congregation like, we're stuck, we're plateaued. And I don't know how to get my church growing again.
1: Um, I'm a, in my family order, I'm a big sister. And it helps me to realize that, you know, at the end of the day, that's all we are to our congregations. We're not, we're not the parents. The good shepherd is Jesus. And so when, when we're, you know, dried out, it's, it's just helpful to remember, like, you know, ask God to give what the church needs. Mm. Um, he can supply us. Um, you know, we're just fellow big brothers and big sisters to these guys and, um, and really expect him because he comes through. Um, that's one of the things that's helped my faith is seeing how limited (laughs) we are and that we're, you know, um, we do what we do well. And, um, and we're growing, we're trying to grow and repent. You know, you can always repent. I think repenting is a great example to your congregation. But at the end of the day, I ask God to give the church what it needs and he'll infuse it with fresh faith, fresh, you know, whatever, um, but that, that's what's helped to me a lot. So
2: as you can see, Chris is the spiritual heart of the group. <laughs>
1: I'm the like, well, what you do is you get your Google <laughs> well, sheets I out. <laughs> yeah. If people ask me for practicals. I'm like, I'm gonna
2: go. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, um, you know, for me, it's uh, you get help. Yeah, you
0: and sure know, there, there's mm-hmm.
2: there's great guys in the church that want to help. There's great guys outside the church that want to help, and um, and they, you know, you put. I've, I've put people up there to speak that really have no business speaking, that can't speak, but now they can. You know, uh, right. and, and people get different perspectives from them. They, and they hear that, you know, that non, non-leaders have convictions too, you know, and it might take them five weeks to write a sermon and they might only do one sermon a year, but people are like, oh, I want to hear that sermon. Right. Uh, and and then get, getting help from uh, ideas for, uh, you know, just, just get help. Yeah, it, it it's not it's not a sign of weakness,
0: right? You can see why you are such a great couple, Chris. Your your faith and and Gary your practicals and seeking out and getting help that's inspiring. I've always been struck by your humility and willingness to share. And when we planted the church in Tucson, you introduced me to a young person who had had some challenges in his faith, and um, you know I ended up. Asking him to go to Tucson, which you were happy to to let him go, which was very generous of you, and he was very instrumental in helping our church get off the ground in Tucson. His name was David Molina, and I'm I'm always grateful to you for that because I, he was exactly what I needed at the right time. And I want to say well, thank you for that.
2: Perspective of that is kind of the opposite. Um, <laughs> I'm like, what do I do with this guy? <laughs> I need help because he's such a great guy, but I, I, I wasn't able to help him. And I remember we had, you and I had dinner at Josh's house and I'm like, who is this guy? This guy's crazy spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know what, David, you got to talk to Rob. (laughs) That's what you got to do. So we drove up to Ashland and, uh, and you took him on. And I was like, thank you. Because, Mm -hmm. He just needed something different than I could offer him, and uh, and he thrived under you, and he's doing great now. He's got yeah. a wife and family and the ministry. Now he's our
1: daughter's campus minister.
0: <laughs> That's great. It all comes around. You Thanks, know, Rob. Yes, thank you, guys. <laughs> now, you're planting a church next year. Can you tell me about that?
2: We've been praying for the uh, UC Merced campus for 20 years now. Mm-hmm. We knew they were going to plant a, a plant plant a, a school there, yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be the largest U C in California. A lot of land there. It's they're building a city
1: basically. <laughs> There's <laughs> nothing there right now. It's crazy.
2: Well, I mean, uh, but but what they yeah, I mean they, they put it in the middle of nowhere and they 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 built some already incredible yeah. stuff, but it's stretching on forever. Housing, you know, units are going up it's just going to be a monster and our goal is to have you know obviously the great commission is to uh reach out to all nations but i i think we've got to uh personalize that and, and i think fresno's goal is to reach out to our part of the valley which merced is in and you know we get new future leaders and uh uh have a a be able to have you know discipleship groups throughout the valley where we're reaching out to the whole valley one by one it's uh hopefully going to plant in fall 2022 we are um, working with john oaks in bakersfield and uh, we, we've also hoped to work with sacramento church and other churches in the valley here mm-hmm. to uh and, and it's an hour away from here so one of the things with a church planting is there needs to be a church that's responsible for it. So we are responsible. We're going to be the church responsible for it um, to help and take care of it. It's going to be an hour away from here. We could do a lot of things together. So uh, that's what we're looking forward to fall 22. You seemer Merced. There's already uh, a sister, yep. Chris. Uh,
1: last March, um, right as quarantine was uh, happening to all of us. We were able to baptize a girl named Monica who's a student there. Um, John's gotten us in contact with a couple that's going to be moving there for grad school. Yeah. Um, so we already have some, you know, people people on the ground there, but uh, we're also looking for, you know, maybe empty nesters willing to move and help help be uh, mature shepherding couples there, um, and people who could transfer or apply to go there
2: yeah, great. I mean, the UC schools are awesome. Uh, it's It's a great small community, and uh, I, I, I think it's it's really ripe for a, a church planting.
0: okay, so the the school's already started, but they're continuing to build it out. Is that right?
2: Yes, the school is the school's been open for a couple of years now. but it was like one department and then another department. I think they started with like science and math. But this thing is just, good. I mean, the largest UC in California. And it's wow. not like maybe like this thing is budgeted, yeah. it's funded. Right.
1: That's what great. I mean by nothing's around it, like there's the city of Merced, and then they've built the college so far out but there's still massive amounts of green with no town surrounding it wow. because it, it's going to spread into right. Old Merced.
2: And it will. It but will. That's exciting. The house like crazy yeah. out there. I
0: bet. I bet. Okay, so if a person w- were interested, whether a student or someone who's thinking about maybe wor- you know working in that area or retiring, um, they just get a hold of you email is that best way to reach you?
1: Yeah, our website is the and you can talk to us about ministry opportunities here or in Mer- interest in Merced. Um, both Gary and I are on there I think as. far as getting in touch or there's a contact us
0: that's great Um, that's very very exciting now what are your plans for the future Gary you're, you're 57 now what what are your plans in the next 10 years what are you hoping to do
2: well I'm pretty excited about the next 10 years I plan on teaching until I'm 70 I like my job I'm uh in good health and uh so I'll be I'll be doing that until I'm 70 but I'm really looking for a uh a young minister couple to come in and really adopt the uh younger ministry of our churches the teens the campus the singles and uh you know help to help that to grow help build that culture and and uh, learn how to lead a church be i really want to be able to have the church in good hands mm-hmm. when i'm in my 60s right but i also want there's things that i want to do personally i want to uh, we, our church building is a campus. It's huge. It's going to need a lot of upgrading. And uh, I want to use the, the church building for community outreach. And, and that takes community outreach. You have to reach out to the community. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I want our, our church to be a hub for the, for the, you know, we've got a gym. We've got all these facilities. I don't want them just sitting there and only being used on Sunday and Wednesday. You know, I want people coming into our church building and going, oh, I know that church. I do this there. So uh, working on that, working on our digital outreach, we've done, even before COVID, we, we realized that digital is the future. Uh, you know, you're doing your podcast. That doesn't happen by accident. I'm excited about that. And, and I really want, we have a great hope chapter here, but it's, um, you know, I, I think it could be more of an a, a integral part of our fellowship where, you know, our campus and singles and teens are doing you know, hope inter. We have hope internships. I'd like to incorporate that more into our church, and uh, so we've. I just got a, a lot of plans that I want to uh, to do that. I think I could help with the marriages. I could lead. You know, other connections with churches in town here um, that we could maybe partner for different things. Build other relationships, which I, I, to me is exciting. But I really would like to have somebody that's really taking on the. Hey, we're going to spend time on campus. Hey, we've got great, fresh, new evangelistic ideas, and I'm I'm willing to learn how to lead this church. And we would uh, we would love to be a part of helping them do that.
0: I see. Okay. So, have you already advertised? Are you already? You you no, know,
2: you no. Know, we just had uh, the funds come from our church sale. Our uh, our contribution has doubled during COVID, which is wow. pretty incredible. And uh, we sold our church for uh, a, a very um, sizable fund. So really for, for the, one of the first times in our church, we have an incredible savings that we're allocating towards full-time ministry. So we're, uh, we're, we're, we're looking to build a hiring process. We've never had one. <laughs> and, and I church. don't want to just go, oh, we, we just kind of like that guy and hire him. I want to build a culture of how do we hire uh, have a process in place, so that's what we're uh, actually starting. We've started that this week because the funds just uh, transferred. On that's a, great. Friday.
0: <laughs> okay, so you've got the money, you've got the desire. Yep. What are you looking for? Like, if there are a couple out there listening to this podcast, give us give us the profile of what you're looking for uh, to to hire. And what you're saying is you want them to work on campus initially, but then grow to take over and lead the church in the future. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So ideally a couple who's already, uh, done internships, a married couple that, uh, you know, it has a little experience and has a passion for ministry, but would really love to lead their own church someday. Doesn't, uh, would like to adventure out from the bigger church umbrella maybe. Um, uh so yeah, we we're looking for somebody who um has some ideas to build and where evangelism is um second nature, That's like where great. they're just we would like them to to complete us. That's great. <laughs> Have some of the strengths that we're more the shepherd cup type leader and we're looking for the evangelist.
0: Well, Chris, with your faith in, in getting a church for a dollar, I think that I'm sure God's going to work on it in answer to your prayers. So I look forward to hearing how God surfaces a great couple for you guys. Any final words for those listening who want to make this life count?
2: Um, well, to make this life count, I, I would just say you've got to be true to yourself and true to God. I mean, you need to take input. You need to learn. You need to be humble but you have to do what you believe God is leading you to do and what you think you need to do. And sometimes that's going against advice. Sometimes that's being different, but uh, I just think you've got to stand for something Mm -hmm. and it's worth it. It's worth fighting for. Uh, My, my biggest fear is I think regret. I, I don't mind making mistakes, but regret just always scared me. And so I'm like, you know, if i need to take chances i'll take chances but uh i don't want to miss not take a chance out of fear or something like that that right. would be regret and so if you're true to yourself you make mistakes well made a mistake learn from it um, but at least you didn't take advice you didn't really agree with right and that's why it didn't work out and i i, I totally think you get advice and do things like that but you have to do what you believe God's leading you to do hmm. and what you believe you
0: need to do. Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, th- I think the same thing. I think that uh, I think many more people should be looking into going in the ministry. You're getting paid to be a disciple. Right. It's really not much more than that. Um, if you're if you're trusting God to provide and you're just going to do your best, it's a job that so many people could do. And I, I think being willing to ask the question, well, why have, why have we got, we got passed over many, many times. And so we were willing to ask the question, why is that? You know, we learned a lot about ourselves, how we were perceived and, um, but the, but we kept putting the interest out there and the interest never went away. And so even if, if anyone's listening that has not been the first Choice of ministry for a while, but you know that the thought is still at the back of your mind. Please go for it. Let somebody know, because <laughs> um, you, you know it's it's God choosing um, and yeah. Him steering the whole time. So uh, it's really, I think, an opportunity a lot of people push away too soon.
2: Yeah, and the last thing you want to worry about going into ministry is the money, right? right? Because I mean. We have had hard times. God has always, always come through, sometimes Mm -hmm. at the last minute, Mm -hmm. but God is generous. Mm -hmm. And there's no way that if you decide to give your life to the ministry that God's not going to be giving. (laughs) You know, like God's not going to bless that. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You You might struggle. I mean, we all read the Bible. Nobody has it easy, but God always comes through. And so I just think you're putting you're bet in the right place right. no matter what you're on the right side it's just a risk it's just a chance worth taking yeah. and we were in a three-bedroom house we went in the ministry and we couldn't even afford an apartment I'm like, <laughs> I'm like we need to like live someplace and then they gave us a little more money and so yeah. we, we were in this one little bedroom one bedroom apartment with this big like I don't know what that thing was. It's huge dog, in this one-bedroom apartment, and it was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. 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 God will provide.
0: Yeah, we've done an amazing job there in Fresno, and the thing that I again I respect is the humility, the perseverance, the patience, the faith that you've shown over the course of the past 21 years, and I think you're an inspiration to bivocational ministers around the around the world. And I've experienced that, it's challenging, it has its own set of challenges, and yet if we're gonna win the world, we need more ministers, both professional ministers and those who are self-supporting or part-time. And I think you're such a great example of that. So thank you so much for sharing your time with me today.
2: Thanks, Rob. Well, thanks, Rob. And if you're interested in the opportunity, just thecbcc.com, okay?
0: That sounds great, that sounds Uh great. Thank you for joining me today on the Rob Skinner podcast. I want to let you know about two important dates coming up this year. Sunday, September 12th, is the Flagstaff Mission Team inaugural service. We're inviting disciples from all over the country, anywhere you are. If you have friends, family, or you're just interested in seeing a great new mission team get started, please join us for that weekend. It's going to be a fantastic time to celebrate. And get started with a great, great new church. So please, if you've got friends and Flagstaff, or if you just want to come, it'd be great to see you. Secondly, December 2nd through 5th in Dallas, Texas, we've got our CLIMB Small Church Leadership Conference. If you're a small church leader, if you're a small ministry leader, if you're a Bible Talk leader, and you want to grow in leadership, it's going to be an amazing time, December 2nd through 5th. We're going to get information out to you before the end of May. Thank you so much for joining me. And let me just ask you, if you're enjoying this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and let your friends and family know about it and how to find it. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, to live a no regrets life, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.